From jet engines to space rockets, telephones to computers, the world has seen spectacular change in the last hundred years, and the pace of progress is getting faster and faster. From electric cars to the metaverse, drone deliveries to climate solutions and genetic sequencing, we're investing in the companies that are not just changing the world today, but are also shaping the future. The Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust, managed by Bailey Gifford. Invest in progress. Capital at risk. Hello, my name is John Schaefer and welcome to The Wealth Show from CityWire. In this episode, I was joined by Baroness Nikki Morgan shortly after her speech at our Wealth Manager Conference and Awards in London. The former chair of the Treasury Select Committee gave her views on the FCA's consumer duty regulation, which is due to be rolled out in the summer. This was after City Minister Andrew Griffith attacked the rules, suggesting they could harm the competitiveness of UK financial services and lead to an uptick in lawsuits. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about consumer duty. Mm. It's been in the press quite a lot lately. I wanted to, to mention, obviously, Andrew Griffiths raises concerns about consumer duty coming out in the summer, and he suggested that it could trigger somewhat of a compensation culture. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I suppose I'm still somewhere in the middle, really, uh, because on the one hand, you know, there's no doubt Parliament wants to see consumers offer protection from uh, particularly deliberate mis-selling. But also, as we know, there are times when actually uh, things do go wrong and that people, you know, do need uh, to be uh, protected. And actually knowing that consumers are, you know, in many cases going to be compensated or at least you know they're going to have their uh, their wrongs righted is important in building trust in financial services you know we we as a country we have a very important financial services sector and we need consumers to be confident about investing and putting their money with uh, institutions but i do appreciate with my other hats on that consumer duty is a massive uh, investment for uh, financial services businesses at the moment uh, and i think that the discussion with the fca has been um, are the rules i mean they are deliberately uh, more about outcomes than they are about you know, very detailed rules, that's a change for everyone to get used to, including actually FCA staff. Uh, but of course, that means it's very difficult for the institutions and uh, compliance teams and everybody else uh, to be thinking, well, actually, are we doing this right? Have we thought everything through that's going to be expected? I think the important thing is going to be that there is sufficient time after the rules really come into force for um, where things are not quite right, for the regulators to point that out, for institutions to have time to put things right um, before uh, people start launching uh, launching claims. Of course, in cases of egregious mis-selling or where an institution absolutely knows that they have given improper advice, deliberately inaccurate advice, then of course they should be hauled over the coals. So do you think Andrew Griffiths is a bit misplaced to say to be so scathing, really. Well, I think Andrew is getting, uh, I mean, like all ministers, on, on anything that's contentious, he'll be getting, you know, the views from, from both sides, basically. And there's no doubt there are a lot of people saying, look, this is costing us a lot of money just at a moment when we're trying to do the right thing for you know, vulnerable customers, deal with the cost of living, um, and, you know, there's lots of other uh, things going on as as ever. Uh, so I think Andrew is giving voice to, to what he's, he's obviously he's hearing. Um, but, but also, I think... 
uh, obviously he wasn't, it was his predecessor, I think, who made the decisions around, uh, you know, what, what the FCA was going to have to, to regulate uh, for. Uh, so, um, and it's hard as a minister, I think, because you're not there in the front line. So um, you are, you know, several steps removed, actually, from the experiences businesses are going through. I suspect this is probably the most painful couple of months. Um, obviously, there's a deadline in April, there's another deadline in July, you know, I think probably the best time to have the conversations is probably towards the end of the summer. During your presentation, you talked about the significance of timing. Mm. Is now the right time for consumer duty? Uh, well, I'm, I still don't know when the right time ever is. Uh, I suspect that you're right. I mean, in the sense that when we started, uh, or when this has all started, and Parliament was saying, you know, no one expected, uh, well, we were sort of coming out of the pandemic, I suppose, uh, but nobody expected there to be, you know, difficult economic environment, you know, uh, obviously the, the Ukraine conflict, which uh, has led to, you know, high energy prices, therefore high inflation. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot uh, going on. I think in some ways, though, it's interesting because I think consumer duty is, um, it, it's quite allied with the cost of living in the sense that ultimately institutions doing the right thing by their customers, whether they are you know, vulnerable or not, whether they've got particular challenges or not, is a, is a good test, I think, for all of us in financial services. I go back to that point about confidence and knowing that actually you're getting good advice. And what, I mean, look, we've still got a big challenge in this country about making sure that everyone is getting the right advice in terms of their financial decisions. Do you think consumer duty will be enough to regain confidence in financial services? I mean, mm. you, you've been you've been overseeing a lot of scandals yeah. in financial services, Woodford, London Capital and Finance. Um, do you think it's enough? Well, I think we'll have to see. So I think what the consumer duty is really um, about, of course, is about new rules, but it's also about a cultural shift. Um, and, uh, you know, are the institutions, as I say, really focused on, on good outcomes? And is that culture running right the way through the organisations? You're right, as Treasury Select Committee Chair, uh, you know, I asked a lot of questions about when institutions got it wrong. Um, and, uh, you know, London Capital Finance, um, you're right about the Woodford issues. Uh, we saw the issues with uh, TSB Bank when their IT let them or let the customers down very, very badly, uh, for example. And there are, I mean, there are, sadly, there are always going to be cases, uh, as I say, and there are always going to be bad apples in the system uh, who um, it's not just, uh, you know, sort of an accident. They are deliberate in terms of, uh, you know, or, or they're careless about the way they're looking after their customers. Just before you went on stage, we had a poll. Um, our audience mm. of wealth managers were saying that over 40% of them were saying uh, consumer duty would be a regulatory pain in the neck. <laughs> Is that a bit of a concern for you? Well, I thought it was interesting, actually. Um, and uh, I think if I were the FCA, I would be a little bit concerned uh, about seeing a, a poll like that. Um, as I say, I think it'd be really interesting to rerun the poll in probably six months' time, in a year's time, and see post-implementation, uh, you know, actually what the view now is. Going back to Andrew Griffith's mm. comments, um, when, when he's using the word compensation, obviously that's a bit of an, an emotive word yeah. here. Um, but the victims of the, the Woodford saga have yet to be compensated. I mean, how do you feel about the delays for, for those investors? Well, I think it's I think it's really concerning, actually. Um, I mean, obviously, these things take time, perhaps, to uh, to unravel. Um, but I think we should never lose sight of the fact that at the heart of this are consumers, people who put their money where they thought it was going to be uh, properly invested, looked after. You know, for many people, this is their retirement nest egg, uh, and um, and they are making life decisions about when they can retire, what they can afford to do, uh, on the basis of what they think their investments are. Um, uh, 
uh, or how they're being looked after, and then to discover they're not. So I think, as ever with these things, you know, you ultimately need a you know a, a speedy and efficient a compensation system as you possibly can, and for you know people at the top to stop squabbling and really focus on that. Last month, the F FCA issued a discussion paper over new proposals for UK fund structures, mm. etc. I mean, do you think the regulator is moving in the right direction? Or perhaps it's focusing on the wrong things. <laughs> well, look, I'm not close enough necessarily to the to, to the detail, um, but I think by and large, um, look, the FCA is a busy regulator, uh, and I think that they uh, would say that they try very hard to work with uh, industry um, uh, of, of all, all parts of the financial services sector to uh, to take things forward. Um, and to listen to what people are, are saying. But the truth is sometimes they also have to hold a bit of a mirror up and say to people, I know you think you want this, but let me tell you. And I was talking in my speech, wasn't I, about perceptions and about the court of public opinion. And so, you know, the FCA is like any other government department. It's going to be getting lobbying on all sides. And so, of course, you know, um, some people will push for one regulatory change. It's the FCA's duty to point out, well, if we do that, it's going to mean this knock-on effect. Um, and actually, by the way, we're having other people telling us, please don't do this, do it this way. So it, it's trying to balance all of that, basically. But look, the point is, um, I, I hope that everyone in the room who's got a view on this uh, will make it you know, clear to the FCA that you're not going to get the regulation that we want to need if you don't tell the regulator what you think about the consultations. Do you think consumer duty is somewhat at odds with Treasury's plans to relax some of the city rules as a bit of a Brexit opportunity? Well, it's really interesting, isn't it? I think, um, not necessarily, uh, I think as long as the, uh, the, the, the regulator and then the financial ombudsman, for example, continues to focus on this point that is, this is about um, outcomes-focused regulation, not detail. Um, and uh, I think one of the things that, um, in terms of the post-Brexit opportunities, undoubtedly, is to have the right regulatory system for the UK. You know, it's got to be a part of competitiveness. There are other things that go to competitiveness well, you know, tax rates, how quickly we authorise individuals to, you know, practice in our financial services and how we compare to other international markets, for example. Um, but I think genuinely, if we're going to go down outcomes uh, regulation approach, then let's really focus on the outcomes. Um, and I think so that's why I think the implementation of this is going to be so important. I want to hark back to your time on the Treasury mm. Select Committee when you were very critical of the FCA and, mm. and Woodford. Um, you were also critical of Hargreaves Lansdowne. Yeah. You sent an open letter uh, about their involvement in, in the saga. You criticised Hargreaves, well, 50 lists, sort of a best yes. buy list. Yes. Do you think those should exist? The challenge, I think, is that we have uh, people who are not sophisticated investors who, as I say, have got their perhaps their nest eggs. They're looking for somewhere to put their money. They will rely on those lists. And so um, they have got to be put together for the right reasons, and the right motivations. And I think the worry is always, actually, has somebody been included on list because uh, the person recommending genuinely thinks they're the right to buy or because of some other relationship, for example. Um, and look, being chair of the Treasury Committee was one of the great privileges of my life. I, absolutely loved doing it. Um, you get to ask the questions that, uh, you know, um, uh, I suppose the, the ordinary investor wants you to ask. And of course, you get to quiz the head of the FCA and the governor of the Bank of England and, and, and everything else. Um, and I think my Christian sometimes was, it's difficult. Um, they can move so slowly. And, you know, you can see that there's something happening, something going wrong, and people are you know, losing money, losing confidence. And yet it takes forever. Um, look, I'm a lawyer. I understand mm. these things can't be decided overnight. But, uh, uh, I think there is a frustration sometimes about just how slowly things move. Do you think that was up fault of Andrew Bailey whilst he was head of the FCA that he was maybe moving too 
slowly at the time. Well, I seem to remember that one of my comments that got most uh, publicity was I, I did ask him whether anybody at the FCA ever reads the newspapers. And uh, look, I think uh, Andrew was, uh, he was very thoughtful about everything and, and still is obviously Government Bank of England. Um, and I think he really took the time to engage with investors actually. Um, uh, and that is important. It's important for senior people to really listen to everybody at the, at the front line. Um, and, um, but I think that sometimes in a senior position, you just have to say, it goes back and weighed what I was saying, you know, particularly if you're going out, hopefully as the head of the regulator or, or whatever, you're going out and talking to lots of different people, you've got to go back to your employees and say, I hear all these arguments, but people out there are really concerned and they've lost the, their confidence and they wonder where their money is. We've got to get this sorted. I just wanted to look at a little bit more on your scrutiny of Hargreaves Lansdowne. Mm. Um, you were quite openly critical yeah. of, of the platform, but they haven't really been penalised. Do you think that's fair? Well, I think, look, I think that's one of the things about, um, you know, the way our system works. Um, are there, you know, sufficient penalties when things go go wrong? Um, and um, uh, I suppose that's not for me to say it's quite a long time ago since I was looking at it and, and everything else. But I think just generally, I mean, post-financial crisis, everyone said, well, hang on a second, no one was prosecuted. Um, and yet this cost the country a lot of money to bail out banks and bail out other institutions and, and everything else. We now have the senior managers regime. Um, I guess I would encourage people, you know, if at the right moment, the regulators should use that regime. I'm pushing for it to be introduced um, in terms of tech platforms as well, because I think it concentrates the mind, but people have to know it's going to be used. One of the questions in the audience mm. today was about diversity yes. in financial services and uh, bringing up the point that in the room today, there were very few women and, and probably a lack of uh, class diversity, a lack of ethnic diversity. Um, do you think the industry needs to have better targets on this? Um, well, uh, yes. Uh, I mean, you're right. Um, it's quite difficult with the bright lights on me to see exactly who is in the in the room. But I mean, I think just generally, yeah. And when we were talking about you know diversity, both in terms of obviously of gender and ethnicity, but also in terms, you say, of social mobility and background, I think it's very important. My lesson from having been a women equalities minister is that if you want uh, if you want things to change, you have to be deliberate about it. I think targets are very helpful. We've just seen this week uh, the FTSE Women Leaders Review announced that actually they've now hit 40% of uh, women on FTSE boards. Um, and that's up from 9.5% in 2011. And that's happened through targets, not quotas. Uh, so I think targets are very, very important. But deliberate programmes, you know, one of the questions in the room was actually how about we go and find the future talent, diverse future talent. You know, if that's important to firms, they've got to actually, you know, get somebody with a specific mandate in their firm to go and do that. There are mechanisms that can help um, but uh, but you know but they've got to make it make it a priority and as you say have some way of people in the company being accountable and the board the senior leadership asking questions on a regular basis about it Nikki it was a pleasure to talk to you thank you very much thank you from jet engines to space rockets telephones to computers the world has seen spectacular change in the last hundred years and the pace of progress is getting faster and faster from electric cars to the metaverse, drone deliveries to climate solutions and genetic sequencing, we're investing in the companies that are not just changing the world today, but are also shaping the future. The Scottish Mortgage Investment Trust, managed by Bailey Gifford. Invest in progress. Capital at risk.